Well, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And I hope that the Holy Spirit helps me to say things correctly and accurately this morning as we deal with a tough passage of Scripture. Beginning in verse 37, And do not judge, and you will not be judged, and do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour into your lap. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. He also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher. But everyone, after he's been fully trained, will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. I think you could preach for a year on those verses. And I'm going to preach one message on it as we go through this series of Luke, and I may not focus exactly in on what you might hope I might focus in on, but I hope that, again, just the Holy Spirit speaks to us this morning and uses the words that I speak. I pray I don't get mixed up and don't say incorrectly what I have planned to say. If John 3.16 is the best known memory verse among Christians, and it may well be that Luke 6.37 and Matthew 7.1 in the Sermon on the Mount are the best known verses among unbelievers. Because the unbelieving world, the non-Christian world, for some reason can pull these out at any time that they think it's necessary to pull them out. These, These two verses, they use them as a wild card trump against Christian people who call a spade a spade. And they say, now you can't judge me. Bible says, judge not, lest you be judged. It seems like they can just pull that out anytime they want whenever Christian people tend to be maybe criticizing their behavior or, or saying the Bible says this about what you're doing, and they say, you can't judge me. Bible says, judge not. And so these verses here are are taken out of context so often and are greatly misunderstood, often misused to, to put off other people's criticisms or concerns, and lifted out of the context, these statements can do great harm. 
I mean, if we as Christians, if a person cannot make moral judgments based on the Word of God, then there can be no morality. So what does it mean when Jesus says, judge not? Well, let me say, first of all, the word judge comes from the Greek word krino. It can mean to make a decision, to analyze, to evaluate. It can even mean to condemn. And hear me now, as Christians, we are never commanded to suspend our critical faculties in relation to other people, never commanded to turn a blind eye to their faults. We are never commanded to pretend not to notice the, the evil or, or bad behavior in others or, or, or refuse to discern between truth and error and goodness and evil and right and wrong. We're never commanded not to do those things, but rather Christians are expected to analyze and evaluate people and their behaviors. The key is when we make those judgments, the key is we have no right to condemn them. That's God's prerogative alone. We do not have the ability, nor do we have the authority to make pronouncements about someone standing with God. But we are expected to analyze and evaluate the behavior of people, in essence, to make judgments concerning them. Now, how do I know that? Because of what Jesus teaches at other times and what other writers of the scripture say at other times. Right here in this same sermon, Christ is telling us, his disciples, to judge people by their fruits. That requires evaluation, uh, critical thinking, analysis, judgment, in a manner of speaking. And then in Luke 12, verse 57, Jesus himself says, Why don't you judge what is right? He tells us that. And over in John chapter 7 and verse 24, Jesus says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Jesus tells us to judge in that way. And then over in Acts chapter 15, which uh, Mike and Judy's small group at their house, we've been in the 15th chapter of Acts lately, and when they're rendering decision concerning circumcision, does a Gentile man have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian? Notice what James says in verse 19, Acts 15 and verse 19. He says, therefore, it is my judgment. All right. They had to render a judgment in that case. And then Paul over in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 he has found out that in the church in Corinth, a man is having a sexual relationship with his father's wife, evidently not his biological mother, but his father's wife. And the church at Corinth and the leadership had done nothing about that. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 3, For I on my part, though absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged him 
who has so committed this as though I were present. And in verse 12, he says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you, the church, not judge those who are within the church? And then in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 2 and 3, Paul says, Do you not know that the saints, who are the saints? Christians, that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? So does judge not, lest you be judged, means that we never judge? No. Because the scripture clearly says that we do. But we as Christians are to have a highly cultivated sense of right and wrong of what the Bible says in order to help us make moral judgments. So when Jesus says, do not judge, he's not calling us to lay aside our moral responsibility. What Jesus is disallowing is a judgmental condemning disposition. We are to make judgments. We're just not to be judgmental. Now, do you understand the distinction I'm making in that? That's where somebody could get confused. We will make judgments, but we're not to have a judgmental, highly critical attitude about it. There are judgmental people who judge others simply for the pleasure of judging. They enjoy it. You ever met someone like that? That just loves to judge other people, that loves to criticize other people. And what they don't realize is that by being judgmental in that way, that usually they're exposing the secrets of their own soul. Because judgmental people, more often than not, like to condemn their own sins in other people. Now, did you understand that? That judgmental people like to condemn their own sins when they see those sins in other people. It happened to King David when Nathan the prophet comes in after he's committed adultery of Bathsheba and then arranged for her husband to be killed. And Nathan the prophet comes in and gives that, that priceless story about the rich man and the poor man. Poor man had one little ewe lamb that was so special to him. He, he treated it like a pet. It ate out of his dish and everything. And, but the rich man had a great many flocks and herds. But he has a visitor come. And instead of taking one of his many to feed his visitor, he goes and takes the poor man's one ewe lamb and slaughters it to feed his guest. Well, when David heard that story, he was enraged outraged. He said, the man that has done this deserves to die. And moreover, he needs to restore fourfold that which he took. And Nathan the prophet looks him straight in the eye and says, you are the man. Oh, it was easy for David to see the fault in somebody else's life rather than see it in his own. And it's easy for judgmental people to judge their own sins when they see it someplace else and someone else. I mean, greedy people delight to condemn greed in other people. The ambitious charge others with self-ambition. Liars love to call other people 
liars. Somehow judgmental people imagine they will lessen their guilt by judging their sins in others. And judgmentalism is merciless. Whereas love believes all things, according to 1 Corinthians 13, 7, the judgmental person disbelieves all things. He presumes the worst. He reads evil into the most innocent of actions. He calls into question the motives of people. He refuses to give other people the benefit of the doubt. A judgmental person is certainly not a true disciple or follower of Christ, if they're one at all. But remember that this sermon that Jesus is preaching here in Luke 6 was directed to his disciples. Not just the twelve, but to other people that were following him, to his disciples. And so therefore, being able to judge properly is an essential part of discipleship and leadership. Jesus' disciples must be able to exercise moral discernment and to make necessary biblical judgments. We have to be able to discern whether the fruit of a person's life is good fruit or bad fruit. Because good fruit doesn't come from a bad tree and bad fruit doesn't come from a good tree. So, so when it comes to making these types of judgments, how should we go about that without being judgmental and condemning? How do we make a righteous judgment. Well, first of all, we do it humbly. We do it humbly because we've got to be aware and own up to our own sins and our own frailty, knowing that we ourselves are sinners, that we ourselves have given in to temptation, that we ourselves are guilty. We attempt to make responsible judgments with humility and understanding lest we fall into the same trap that the other person has fallen into. So we do it humbly. Secondly, we do it prayerfully. Anyone who would make a judgment apart from humble prayer is engaging in folly. There must be prayerful confession of our own sins. Those who judge must fervently pray for themselves as well as those whom they judge. Next, we judge biblically. Judgment must be according to the revelation of God's Word. Remember what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? He said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking. Why would you rebuke someone? What? If they're doing wrong. How do you know if they're doing wrong? You are rendering a, a judgment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the Word of God is profitable for rebuking, for correcting. Why would you correct someone? Same thing, okay? And again, that renders a, makes evident a decision or a judgment on something. 
And the word of God is useful for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So when we have to render those judgments, we do it biblically. The Bible, the moral revelation of God's word, that has to infiltrate and permeate and inform our entire life. And since the Bible is clear in defining sin, righteous judgment can be made on most matters with humble confidence. Fourth, we have to judge lovingly. A fundamental difference between judgment and judgmentalism is love. Judgmentalism is rooted in an ill will, while judgment has the best interests of the other person in mind. Judging others must be an act of love for God and His revelation to us, and also an act of love for the sinner, giving them the truth for their ultimate good. It's like when the church is called upon to exercise church discipline. What is the purpose of church discipline according to Scripture? To get rid of a bad element? No, the purpose of discipline is restoration to the body. And so it should be when we judge lovingly, it is for the other person's best interest and for their good. And lastly, we must judge mercifully. Mercy. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve, unmerited favor, whereas mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. So don't give the other person what you may think they deserve. Act in mercy. Mercy is at the very core of Jesus' thinking, just as Jesus said back in verse 36, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So if judgment is made humbly and prayerfully and biblically and lovingly and mercifully, it'll be a reflection of Jesus. And the one who makes such judgments will be a faithful disciple. That's how to judge without being judgmental. But even in doing that, in preparing yourself that way, how do you offer that judgment to another person? so that they'll accept it. Well, I believe the best way to do that is by your example, by your life. If people see you living out the scriptures, if they see your commitment to Christ, if they can see your humility and your humble spirit and your love, they'll be much more likely to accept your judgment of their behavior. So you offer it by way of your example, and also when you offer judgment, do it privately. Do it privately. There are times for judgment to be offered publicly when someone continues in sin, but it must begin personally and privately. Jesus says, what? If your brother offends you, you go to him privately, first and foremost. And Jesus' way is always the best way. And then... Offer it gently and constructively. Offering judgment is to be a display of gentle strength. 
And so the very fact that God has created us with the ability to choose compels us to make judgments or evaluations. We, we could never protect ourselves against wrong if we didn't judge. And we could never help others if we didn't evaluate their needs. But what Jesus is forbidding here is that hypercritical, judgmental spirit. So don't unjustly judge others. Jesus says, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you. So to sum it up, the command to judge, the command to, to not judge, is not a requirement to be blind, but rather it's a plea to be generous. Jesus doesn't tell us to suspend our critical powers that help to distinguish us from the animal world, but rather to give up the ambition to be God by setting ourselves up as judges with judgmental spirits. Now in verses 41 and 42, Jesus tells his famous little parable about foreign bodies in people's eyes, specks of dust on the one hand and logs or beams or planks on the other hand. It's a somewhat hilarious picture, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. But the truth of this, because it's all too common, is really not funny. But it's usually easier, not to mention more fun or enjoyable, to identify other people's faults than it is to identify our own. And to compound the problem, we're often most offended by character flaws in others that we have in our own life. John Stott put it this way. He said, we have a rosy view of ourselves and a jaundiced view of others. Indeed, what we are, what we are often doing is seeing our own faults in others and judging them vicariously. That way, we experience the pleasure of self-righteousness without the pain of penitence. <laughs> We're hypocrites when we try to meddle in the problems of others while failing to deal with our own more serious faults. And when we do that, then we're unfit to be judges. Not only because we're fallible humans and not God, but because we're sinful humans as well. We're all sinners. We are in no position to stand in judgment on our fellow sinners when we haven't taken care of the sin in our own life. What we should do is to apply to ourselves at least as strict and critical a standard as we apply to others. And in that way, we'd be in a far better position to humbly and gently help an erring brother or sister. Having first removed the log from our own eye, we'd see clearly to take the speck from their eye, as it says in verse 42. And make no mistake about it, folks. It is our Christian duty to help our brother or sister in this way. To help get that speck out of their eye. That speck in his or her eye doesn't belong there. Probably painful. Sometimes dangerous. And to leave it there and make no attempt to remove it would hardly be consistent with brotherly love. But we have to make sure, though, that our house is in order and that we don't have that log or that beam sticking out of our own eye. So our Christian duty, then, is, is not to see the speck in our brother's eye while at the same time not noticing the log in our own. And still less... Is it our duty to say to our brother, let me take that speck out of your eye while we've not yet taken the log out of our own eye? 
But rather it is our duty to first take the log out of our own eyes so that then with the resulting clarity and vision, we can be able to take the speck out of our brother's eye. And that's what we need to do. You see, in all our attitudes and behavior towards others, we are not to be the judgmental judge, becoming harsh and condemning, nor are we to play the part of the hypocrite while blaming others, while excusing ourselves of the same thing. But rather we're to be the brother, caring for others so much that we first blame and correct ourselves, and then seek to be constructive in the help we give to others. We need to be as critical of ourselves as we are oftentimes of others, and as generous to others as we always seem to be to ourselves. And when that takes place, that's when we see the golden rule of verse 31 carried out as we act toward others the way we would like them to act towards us. So, that's the message. <laughs> and I'm not sure how to go into invitation time on a sermon like this. But I pray that you have accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. And I know that in this service most of you have. And so I would ask you to live it out. And not to be judgmental. Not to be condemning when you do judge. But make sure your own life is right with the Lord so you can see clearly to help out your brother or sister. And then keep right on preaching and sharing the good news about Christ. And you know another judgment that sometimes we have to make? That Jesus said back in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's account, but doesn't say here in this one, is that sometimes when you encounter continual rejection from someone when you're sharing the gospel, you may need to make the decision or the judgment to move on to others and find some fertile soil for the seed to take root in. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine or cast your bread before the dogs. That's a tough judgment to make, isn't it? But if you're here this morning having never accepted Christ as your Lord, don't keep on rejecting Him because the time may come when God will remove from you those who've been trying to tell you about Him. And by your continual rejection and refusal to accept Christ, you may find one day that there is no longer any Christian influence around you. And you're still lost in sin. So why not accept him today? With people around you that will love you and support you. Not perfect people, but people trying to live by the word of God. You need Christ, and he's the only way to eternal life, and I pray that you would accept him today. And again, for those of you that are already Christians, when we have to judge, let's do it humbly, prayerfully, biblically, lovingly, and mercifully. Let's stand and sing.